Good morning, everyone. There, there, give me some light. Yeah. Uh, hey, Pastor Dan, I see people are fanning themselves. Do you think you can kick this down, the temperature a little bit? All right, cool, because I'm going to bring the heat, so we need to, we need to uh, make sure that, that people are comfortable, so at least uh, when I'm starting. I, I don't really care if you're comfortable or not once I'm going. So, uh, so... Last week, I really appreciate a lot of the feedback. Uh, some of you said that it's one of the best uh, talks you've ever heard me give, and um, that makes me want to retire, you know, and not come back. It's like, you know, I was talking to my parents, going like, you know, it's just, you know, I th- I, it should have been at the end of the series, a, you know, a, a strong talk like that, and, and uh, but where do we go from here? And the, and the reality is that there's plenty of room to go, and there's lots of room that we uh, uh, need to grow in, in this idea of living a legacy. I was uh, on Facebook this week and, and saw a post that, that I really wanted to share with you guys. It's a little bit long to get there, but I think the journey is worth it. And it was all about this idea uh, of uh, in Disney and Pixar and, and many uh, animated television shows uh, that you see this code, A113. And perhaps you saw that on the internet uh, this week or, or previously, but some of the most beloved movies and shows that we have, uh, this, this secret code is hidden in plain sight. Uh, the first one uh, that we see, Toy Story and, and Woody there, you see on the license plate, A113. And then the next slide, you have a bug's life. And I don't know if you can see it, but on the, on the box there, it says A113. Uh, continue on and, and in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Uh, uh, on the camera there, that the model number of the of the camera is A one one three. Next slide. Uh, this is The Incredibles, and Mister Incredible is held in cell A one thirteen. Next one. Uh, in in Cars, the train, uh, his his number is A one one three. Next one, also in Cars, uh, Masters. Uh, uh, pickup truck. His license plate is A113. Continuing on in, uh, what is that, Ratatouille? Yeah, uh, you can see back there right behind his head, A113. Next one. Uh, this is in Wally. The, the The code to evacuate Earth was A113. Next one. Uh, here, go, and up. Wasn't that an awesome movie? I also saw on the internet somebody painted their house to look like the up house, and everybody in the neighborhood's all upset. <laughs> Whatever. But in the courtroom, his courtroom is A113. Uh, on the tail of, what movie is that? Is that Planes? Or, or, yeah, uh, A113. Keep on going. There's a bunch of them. Uh, same thing, Master's Truck, A113. Go. Uh, oh, Brave, Mary Coffey. Uh, brave. Uh, in Roman numerals, A-C-X-113. Next one. Monsters, Inc., uh, the cl- uh, university or the door he's going in there is A-113. Uh, Lilo and Stitch. That was a good movie. Uh, A-113. Uh, oh, my gosh. Which movie was this? Yeah, thank you. A-113. 
Family Guy. Okay, A113. The Avengers in movies up there at the top, A113. And there you go, Uh, Bart, A113. And uh, finally, we get revealed what A113 is, and this is where this is actually amazing. Uh, In in California Institute of Art, uh, A113 was the classroom where many of these artists learned, uh, took their first uh, uh, college art class, and the, the teachers, uh, instructors, uh, have, have left such a legacy in these men and women's lives that uh, they, they kind of memorialized or, or, or honored the, that time and that inception of, of that talent with their classroom number A113. And that's really what a legacy is, is this, is this idea of, of passing something forward. And, uh, and the, our lives have been so uh, enriched, really, by these movies and, and these shows, you know, and some of them, obviously, we would agree with their values, and some we wouldn't agree with their values and things like that. But the fact remains that these teachers who we don't even know their names have, have uh, been able to impact millions, if not billions, of people. These artists have been able to impact millions, if not billions, of people. And I was thinking about the five questions that we talked about last week and running through those with A113. And, and, the, and the first question is, how will the world be different because I am here or because I was here? And for those teachers, uh, instructors that, again, millions of, of children have, have learned life lessons, uh, a lot of them have to do with disappointment and overcoming adversity and, and things like that and, and, and adventure and just stimulating their mind. Uh, number two is, uh, why is this a legacy worth my life's work? And I was thinking that uh, in the instructor's uh, case, how amazing would that be to be sitting and watching a movie and see your classroom number come up? And their name's not on the credits. Nobody knows that they had a part. But every time that comes up, and I can just imagine throughout the years how, how cool that, that would be, you know, be watching a show or watching, watching a movie and seeing A113 come up and know that you had a hand in that legacy of that film. Number three, you know, what, what, what were these teachers willing to sacrifice in order to make their legacy a reality? Well, obviously they were prepared, that they sacrificed probably a lot of personal time to enrich their minds with the latest technology and, and principles of art and, and teaching uh, methods and different things like that, because legacies like Pixar and Disney do not happen by accident. Number four, what needs to happen in order for the legacy to happen? And again, 
in order for these teachers and these art and these students, their legacy to become a reality that, that they needed to sacrifice. They needed to have a strategic plan. They probably didn't start with advanced, you know, movie animation. They, they, they went through a process, you know. Obviously, probably most of those students were very gifted artists, uh, but they needed the tools and the training, and they needed the infrastructure to learn. And then number five, who will you entrust with your legacy? And, and, and these teachers have entrusted their legacy to a lot of students uh, over, over the years. And, and as long as, as there's movies and entertainment and things like that and art happening uh, from generation to generation to generation, that, that their investment in the classroom will uh, exist. And I was taking that and just circling back around and thinking about our legacy, our legacy as followers of Christ, as ambassadors of Christ, and, and going back through those questions and question number one, why am I here? Why will the world be different because I was here, and hopefully better because you were here? And we talked about this last week, but those of us who are followers of Christ, that, that you know what, we are to forward the legacy of love that, that we have been handed, that our next generation should be handed a, a healthier and more vibrant church and a more vibrant faith and active faith because of our time. Remember, we can't do anything about what was handed to us, but we do definitely have a hand in who, how we're going to leave the world after us. And we need to be intentional. We need to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves as we come up and, and, and envision how do we make this world a better place and how do we change this world to be a better place for those who come after us. The number two is, is this legacy worth your life's work? And we talked about Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, where Paul said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and not for for people who are not followers of Christ, but this is our legacy. This is what we were given in the Great Commission by Jesus in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples and baptize them and teaching them. And that, you know what? We need to be about our Lord's business. And, and honestly, the, our, Paul's statement of our lives are worth nothing unless we use it for proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That's not talking about standing on a street corner with a sign. It's talking about doing the hard work like these teachers did of, of you know, sacrificing and spending time learning and, and thinking of different teaching and, and discipling techniques and building the infrastructure. And that leads us to the next question. What are you willing to sacrifice to make your legacy a reality. I think about uh, different instances in the third world when, uh, when people are given something, like a chicken. 
And you, if you give really hungry people a chicken, in your mind, you may be thinking, or giving them several chickens, you're thinking, hey, this is a legacy gift to be able, they'll be able to have eggs and all this kind of stuff. But you, you hand a parent uh, of, of hungry children a chicken, and they see dinner. They don't, they don't have the, the luxury of, of thinking about legacy at that, at that point. And where a lot of times I think that we've got it wrong in, in our compassion uh, outreaches and things like that is that we don't put ourselves, we don't empathize with the position that people are, are in, the desperate situation. You know, who among us if we saw our children a meal away from extinction and were given a chicken, you know, that may lay eggs in a week or two, well, by then it is too late. And this is really the idea of, of legacy that, that, you know what, we are starving for significance and, we, uh, and so often our proverbial chicken is found in a video game or a movie or, or a song or things like that because it feeds us something, right? Have you ever got lost in a movie? Absolutely. I love to read and I love to read epic adventures. And why do I like to read epic adventures? Because I, I like Epic adventures. I, I get lost in it. I, you know, uh, you know, a lot of stuff is happening at church and in my life and everything. And a lot of times, you know, that that I can find myself, you know, in that story and reading that story, and and I get to live, you know, in a different world. Now that's great. We all need those kind of escape things. But but the the problem happens is when that becomes our source of of legacy that that we think, oh, you know what, I, I felt this when I was watching this movie or, you know, I, I, or when I was watching sports or when I was reading this book. And we f- forget to make that emotional connection of, you know what, I'm not really sacrificing for my legacy, that I'm, I'm jumping on board on something that, quite honestly, is not real. And sacrifice is real. Sacrifice hurts. They wouldn't call it sacrifice, you know. I mean, that, you know, that, that it's a tangible thing. It's saying, you know what, I am not going to eat today so we will have eggs in the future. That's real sacrifice. That I am not going to buy this because, you know what, I want something else for future generations. That's the real, you know, sa- idea of sacrifice. The next question is what needs to happen in order for my legacy to become a reality? What needs to happen for, for the legacy of Jesus Christ to become a reality? What needs to happen in order for the people, uh, uh, followers of Christ, for us to have a legacy of making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them? What sort of things happen? And well, just like in the, in the classroom that these students learned and, and were able to create all of these beautiful art and all, this, all these movies and shows and things like that, that there had to be an infrastructure. There had to be teachers. There had to be curriculum. There had to be resources. There had to be a building for them to meet. 
You can't do computer-generated images in a park, right? That it, that it requires infrastructure. And then the last one, who will we entrust with our legacy? Because the reality is that all of us are going to die someday. It's just, it's just a reality. The government's going to get their taxes, and we are all going to die. Now, I don't want to, you know, bum us all out, but, but, but it's one of the beautiful things, too. And those of us who are, who are followers of Christ, to be able to grab onto that idea that life doesn't begin and end with me, but I am building on the foundations of those who came before me, and that I have the opportunity to build on that foundation and make a stronger place and a better world for those who will come after me. And those are the five questions that, that I believe we need to wrestle with. I think the hardest one, though, is question three. What am I willing to sacrifice in order for my vision to become a reality? In, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2, we're told by Paul, imitate God, therefore in, everything, uh, therefore in everything you do, you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. And listen to this next part. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Following the example of Christ. Now again, I'm, just, I'm speaking to those of you who are followers of Christ, those of you who have taken Christ's name and call yourself a Christian, that our lives are to be about the teachings and the practices of Jesus. That we are to follow Him in His instruction. That is what it means to truly be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Or as in verse 2, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us. Well, if we're following the example of Christ, and Christ offered a sacrifice of himself for us, isn't that what we are called to do as followers of Christ? That, that coming to church or, uh, or on a Sunday service or, or something like that and just saying, you know what, it's just about me. That's one of the biggest lies perpetrated on the 21st century American church. That when we start believing it is all about me and only me and, and, and my, my spirituality and my holiness and all these kind of things, that, that we have bought into a commercialization of our faith. That we are called the body of Christ for a reason. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12. We're going to stay in Romans chapter 12 for a little bit, so you may want to turn to Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living, living a legacy, living and holy, set aside for God's purpose, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We 
can remember if you've been in church any length of time that, that you remember the encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were trying to abide by the 613 laws of Moses. And one of those laws was about hand washing. And they were making a big elaborate uh, deal about their hand washing. And Jesus just said, you know what? You are so clean on the outside. But inside you are destitute, you are bankrupt. And so often that we find ourselves focusing on the facade, quite frankly, because it's easier. Because it's hard to sacrifice when nobody else sees it. It's hard to sacrifice turning off the TV and not watching a TV show so you can create or think about somebody or do something to make somebody's life better. He goes on in one of the probably the most, uh, most out-of-context uh, used verses in, in Christianity. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Usually that is taken out of context and, and you saying, you know what, you know, don't watch movies, don't watch TV shows, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do you know, all these different things. In the context of, of this scripture, he's talking about not living life on your own or for yourself or your own comfort or your own pleasure and your own desires, not copy the behaviors of the world by doing that, because that's what everybody does, but sacrificing for others. And when you start sacrificing for others, that your mind and your heart will start to change. Because when you do that, you're actually tapping into the very nature of God. In verse 3, goes on and says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you each uh, this warning. Number one, don't think you are better than you really are. You think you're all that? Think again, Right? That'll tweet. <laughs> Don't tweet that. You'll get angry responses. Because they'll have it out of context. And they really... Tell them to don't copy the book. Never mind. Don't, d- don't think you are better than you really are. So often we won't sacrifice because, you know what, quite frankly, why should we? Why should we sacrifice for someone who is not going to appreciate it? Why should we sacrifice for someone that we will never meet? Why should we sacrifice if I can't see an immediate return on my investment? And I'm sure that the teachers of A113 had lots of students that they would come in hungover or didn't turn in their work, and some are like, what? What am I doing? Why am I bothering? I am such a, you know, I'm such a better artist than these kids. This is ridiculous. And this is a, a position of humility. Because in order to sacrifice, you need to be humble. You have to realize your own mortality. In order to sacrifice for others, you have to think, you know what, maybe someday or hopefully someday, this person is going to put, push the story forward farther than I ever could on my own. 
The next one, be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Being honest in your evaluation and, and saying, you know what, this is what I can do. And, and this, is not, this is not so much like looking at yourself and giving, you know, false, false humility. You know, it might be the, the, quite the opposite. It might say, you know what, I am one of the best writers, not me personally, but I am one of the best writers that I ever wrote. I'm one of the best artists, or I'm one of the best musicians, or I'm one of the best businessmen, or I'm one of the best teachers. Like, if I really just strip everything away, you know, and have an honest assessment of myself, I'm really good at this. Well, guess what? God has entrusted you with a gift. And in your honest assessment of yourself, say, you know what? I may not be good at this one thing, and God hasn't entrusted that to me. But God has entrusted me with, you know, making money, or God has entrusted me with making music or, or making disciples and saying, you know what? I know what God has entrusted me with. Because God is not looking for a reservoir in you, but He is looking for you for conduits of His love and mercy and good deeds. And when you honestly evaluate and say, you know what, this is what I'm good at, I, and I'm going to sacrifice that for the Lord. The next one, measure yourself by the faith God has given us. Measure yourself by your faith. You know what, you may not have the faith to, to put something out there just for everyone to see. But you know what? Start somewhere. You may not have the faith to tithe or, or you know, the, to give a, a gift to uh, the building that we're trying to purchase, this building that we're trying to purchase. That's why in the card that you were given, you know what? There's a section on there. It says, we, I commit to give $1, one-time gift. <laughs> you know what? If that's your faith, then do that. If you're, you have a $1 faith in God one time, you know what? That's a start. And I believe with every bone and all the other stuff that I have in my body that, you know what? God will start that and start to do something in you. We are looking for 100% participation because in the body of Christ, what happens when part of your body doesn't participate? You get sick. I'm not a doctor. Well, I am a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. And, you know, if your body, if part of your body is not working, you get sick. And even like parts that you think are useless, like the appendix, if it stops working or whatever, I really shouldn't talk about things. I have no idea. But I know that it could get very bad very quick and you can die. This I do know, all right? Every single, this is the principle of the body of Christ, the church, is that all of us play a role. And if one of us refuse to participate, and I'm not just talking about giving to this campaign, refuse to participate in, you know, attendance, refuse to participate in serving, Refuse to participate is part of the body of Christ. 
that by that action, you have made the body of Christ sick. I don't know how I'll put it any plainer than that. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Verse 6, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then he's going to go into a list. But I want to tell you something. Again, an honest evaluation of yourself. I do this really well. That this is what God has given you to do. This is, he has entrusted you with this gift. If you have, you know, if God has not entrusted you to do something, God has not entrusted me to sing with Amplified. God does not require that of me, and he will not put that on you. God is not a tyrant requiring you to give what you do not have. All right? Let me repeat that. God is not a tyrant requiring you to give what you do not have. But God has given all of us something. And if we do an honest evaluation of our lives, we know what that is. And you have been abundantly blessed to use that for the kingdom. And he goes in, he says, if you have the ability to prophesy, speak out when uh, you have much faith that God is speaking through you. All right? That, that if you have been given that gift of speaking truth, then speak out and be bold. The second one that he uses as an example, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Do not hold back. If you have a servant's heart, serve. Sacrifice your own time and serve others. The next one, if you are a teacher, teach well. Very simple. You know what? If you're a teacher in the class, you know, in the classroom or a teacher of, a parent, of, of kids or, or my kind of teaching or whatever, you know what? Take that responsibility seriously. Find ways to take complex ideas and, and make them contextually relevant for people. That's what Jesus did all the time in parables. You don't have to be boring and don't be boring. Be engaging. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. I've told this story before. Early on in, uh, when I was a pastor, uh, I was a bivocational pastor in, in California, and I never had any training on how to speak in front of people or anything like that. And the church I was leading had grown to a point where it wasn't a small group anymore, and somebody uh, suggested that, you know, hey, you need to, you know, get a mic and all this kind of stuff. So, so we did that, but I didn't have really any idea how to put together a sermon. And there was this guy who encouraged me every single Sunday. He would always find something to build upon. And they're really bad in, in those days. Okay, I'm just telling you. Honest assessment myself. Like, I'm not a natural public speaker. It's a, it's a learned skill. And there was one particular 
Sunday that it was just terrible. Like my mom who loves everything I do, like would have just been like that was bad and everything. And, and Jeremy Gordon is his name. Jeremy comes up to me after, and I'm like, okay, here it comes. Like, there's nothing here. I know it. Like, there's nothing he can encourage. And he, and he came up and he goes, Mark, you know when you told that joke and nobody laughed? You just kept on going. That was his encouragement. I mean, that was, I'm like, all right, yeah, I just didn't give up at, at, at that point and walk off the, and I mean, that, but that's just somebody, that's an example of somebody using a gift that they had and, and working really hard to, to use it to encourage me. And in, in a lot of ways, Jeremy is, is a reason that, that I'm here because there's lots of times where I was just like, this is just not working. I don't pronunci- uh, pronunciate. <laughs> Enough said, right? Okay. <laughs> the next one, if, if it is giving, give generously. Some of you just have a generous heart that, that you know what, financially, the, that the first thing you think about is how do I give this away? That's a beautiful thing. Most of us aren't, you know, don't have that gift. We're all called to be generous, but it's not all of our gifts. And if you have the gift of generosity, then be generous. It's a gift like anything else. Develop it. Look for ways to leverage that, to build the body of Christ. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. This is where I land, okay? That, that I have a tendency just to be a natural leader. And, but also, I have not relied only on my natural leadership instincts that I have read countless leadership books. I don't read any books on how to sing well, even though that would probably be really helpful, especially if you're sitting in front of me. But you know what? I go to leadership conferences. I read leadership books. I I read leadership blogs. That, you know what? When it comes to needing to cast a vision at this place or, or some other organization that, that I lead, that, you know what, I do it because I take it seriously. Because if somebody won't stand up and challenge you guys, then I have failed in my part of the body. And that's what we're doing in this living a legacy. It's, again, it's not only about a building, but it's definitely about the building. It's about us changing the way we think to honestly evaluating ourselves for all of us to say, you know what, I'm going to look at what I can give and participate to make this body of Christ the healthiest it can be. And if I have the gift of of teaching, then I'm going to do that. If I'm going to have the gift of serving, then I'm going to do that. If I have the gift of encouragement, I am going to do that. 
that I am going to play my part in the body of Christ and do it well. This is one of been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn because I'm a doer. Okay, if something needs to be done, I do it. And I've had so many people speak into my life, you know, personally and in books and in things that I've read. And and you know what the big secret in just living a legacy and doing something well that I have been told again and again and again and I try to live by? Concentrate on the things that only you can do. Concentrate on the things that only you can do. It's hard to do. But as we go out, he's like, you know what? Only God has entrusted me with this particular experience in, the body of Christ, in, the, in our body of Christ. And you know what? I need to connect with other people who, who are, are hurting in that, in that cause. That I uh, am a teacher or I'm an encourager or whatever. And find that place and live it to its full extent because the rest of us are relying on you to teach well, to be encouraging, to be generous, to serve well, and to lead well, to lead us into the future in order for our church to have a legacy. And yeah, there's the the flesh and bone part, which is us, but there's also the infrastructure part. And that is what we are called to do. Finally, if you have the gift, a gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. That doesn't mean if you don't have the gift of kindness, be mean again. (laughs) None of these are in full exclusion, right? But you know, some of us, some of you, I shouldn't say us in this, I'm not probably natural, this is not probably one of my strong gifts. In fact, first spiritual te- gift test I ever took, I got a zero in compassion. Isn't that terrible? I like, I'm like a one or two now, but, but uh, it's just growth, right? That's, I mean, that's all, you know, that, 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 that's not someplace that I naturally live. But, uh, but I've learned. So it doesn't mean if you don't have the natural gift of being kind, don't be kind. But be kind. if you're a kind person, then show it. L- Lori and, and Bonnie, I don't know where Bonnie is. Bonnie, you know, these are, these are people. She also is an encourager. But, but the, just kind people. We need kind people. We need a lot of kind people. And if you have that gift, that's a special gift. And each one of us have this. And then just concluding with the last few verses, don't pretend to love others. Again, that goes back to, you know, the hand washing, the religion. That's not what we're doing here. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Man, I read that verse to myself all the time. Never be lazy. It's easy to be lazy. It really is. We all work hard. So when we sit back, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to be lazy. 
you know what? There's downtime and, and rest and things like that, but laziness should not be part of our lives as followers of Christ. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastic in whatever your gift is, whatever your part of the body of Christ is. And rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always eager to practice hospitality. Okay, I want to circle back around and just talk a minute about, about the building. And then the band's going to come up and sing one more song. Each one of you were given a, 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 a legacy card when you walked in. If you, if you didn't get one, um, uh, they'll be available. Doug and Daphne will be out there and will hand you one on your way out. Next week uh, that we are uh, going to receive these pledge cards back. This Wednesday, we're going to have a prayer and worship gathering just about, about this process, Okay. And uh, then the following Thursday, and this is all in your, in your um, fridge fold, so you can get all the, all the details. Next Thursday, we're going to have a celebration with whatever God is doing. But this is, the cel- this is what I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate 100% participation, just flat out. And, and you know what? If, if your measure of faith is a one-time gift of a dollar, you know what? I'm not going to laugh at that. I'm going to celebrate that. Okay? I will celebrate that. Now, if you have the gift of generosity and you do that, I'm not going to celebrate that. We have a come to Jesus. But, but you guys know. You know it. You know what your measure is. You know, there's the reality is we need to raise an additional $150,000 over the next year above and beyond our normal giving. Again, we talked about this last week that is about $50 per month uh, for 12 months to, for every household here. But again, you may be sitting there and saying, $50, that's it? That's your greatest indication that, no, that's not it for you. Yours is much higher because, you know what, $50 a month may not be a sacrifice for you. But $50 a month for a single mother is a killer. Again, we all have our, our part in the body of Christ, and we need to all participate because what I believe by getting this facility is that we are strategically being able to set our church up to be able to, uh, to bless generations in the future, that more people will be able to be baptized. More people will come to faith. More people will be discipled. More homes will be build, built and people in, around, around the world and children uh, rescued around the world. That our kids, future generations, will have, have a place that we will be able to do the mission of Christ that we have been given. And if, you know, this is what we are doing as, as a church. Now, 150000 is is just, you know, that gets us in here and, and we'll get it done. Honestly, I believe that our church can do a lot more and should do a lot more. That, you know what, our front curb appeal is horrible. It's hard for people to see 
where we are. I have people every week just say, I, I had a hard time finding you guys and everything. So cleaning that up, making it, making it a better presence, to be able to make this, this place more than just a warehouse. We have the vision to do it. We just don't have the resources to do it. Let me scratch that. We, as the body of Christ, have the resources to do it. That our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know that FPU, uh, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but we just had FPU, Financial Peace University. You know in nine weeks, 64 people, and most of those were couples, that in nine weeks they paid off, and and I I might invert this, but $90,000 in debt, and seventy-seven thousand dollars, and put seventy-seven thousand dollars in savings. Okay, that's sixty-four in nine weeks. If we're intentional, we can do it. If we all participate, we can do it. Every single one of us. That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to require. And you know what? If 100% of us participate and sacrifice and we don't make it happen, we are still better off as a church. Because perhaps this will be one time that we can look back and say, we were unified, we came together, and we 100% participated in something, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal to forward the kingdom of Christ. You guys pray with me. Thank you.